Welcome again to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast as we have quite a bit to discuss in the world of pro football. I talked to my good buddy, Tom Weisenbach, about what went wrong for his Philadelphia Eagles against the Minnesota Vikings, how they're getting ready for that Dallas Cowboys showdown coming up. The Cowboys now losing three straight games as they find themselves in a tailspin, losing the Jets this week. The Browns fall to the Seahawks. I'm not happy, as you might imagine. Are the Niners the best team in the NFC? What's wrong with the Chiefs, who've lost two straight home games at Arrowhead? or the Texans on the rise? All that and much, much more. It's Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some NFL football. My good friend calling in from Philadelphia, Tom Weisenbach. Tom, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me again, Mitch. Appreciate it. Always a good time with, uh, with the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate you calling me in here late night on this Tuesday as we do this. And uh, before we get to the NFL, I know you're a Philly guy through and through. Is it very painful, somewhat painful, or you just don't really care that the Nationals and Bryce Harper's former team are in the World Series? Uh, it's very painful because it's interdivisional. So right. like, even if the Braves made the World Series, it would be painful. But it's extra painful because... They're going to be saying this all year next year, and they're going to be talking smack about Bryce Harper leaving. And, you know, I've, I've honestly even saw it a little bit uh, this year in the house. Bryce can be a little bit of a me-first type of person or stats-first with, you know, stretching singles into doubles instead of figuring things out. So, I mean, good for good for the Nats. Hopefully uh, whoever comes out of the AL, is, I mean, I feel like is a heavy favorite regardless, and they were coming in. So good for them. You know, um, yeah, but it hurts being a Philly fan for sure. Well, we were talking about that too. I mean, I I do figure that the divisional parts what stings the most. But we were talking about this before we started. That you know, you mentioned only of all the main four sports, this is one where one guy, one superstar, especially positional player, doesn't really make the difference that he does in other sports. And it does come down to pitching in your bullpen more than anything. A guy like Bryce Harper, as good as he can be, doesn't really matter in a series like this. Well, that's the other thing with uh, the Philly season this year was that uh, the, their two big bats in the lineup were, were drawing the most amount of walks in the National League, and that was no coincidence. You can pitch around guys, and then the other seven guys have to figure out a way to drive those guys in. If they're on base and getting stranded, it doesn't help you. The whole strategy was to walk and get on base but and hit home runs. They would only win games if they hit home runs. It just didn't work out, and they didn't have the pitching. So uh, the other teams that are uh, – that are a little bit more well-positioned for the, the run have, uh, have come through. Certainly have, and uh, it's midnight on the East Coast now, and it is Bryce Harper's birthday, so that's even crazier. <laughs> so I, just, I had to get that in there, too. <laughs> Maybe not the best, his 27th birthday, this one. Uh, let's switch to the NFL, because uh, as has been the case, uh, I think for both of us, maybe more so me by a game than you. There's been a lot of venting after the NFL uh, week has concluded for our respective teams. So I'm going to give you the four first. I have much to say about my own team, but Eagles lose to the Vikings, Tom. And I think we kind of know what the story is on the Eagles so far this year. They pretty much have to outscore teams in order to win. Like what the offense has done, but my God, that secondary needs some work. 
Yeah, and it, it's a, another blow when uh, when Jalen Ramsey gets traded tonight to the L.A. Rams, and, and uh, uh, that was the guy that everybody in Philly's kind of been targeting uh, since since he it came out that he'd been disgruntled, uh, and the, the quarterback market's kind of drying up for the trade market. You know how he likes to make those moves. They they released Zach Brown, which is I mean uh, inconsequential to me, but they're always been a linebacker, and that doesn't really help your defensive back when you, when you don't have linebackers who can cover uh, in that intermediate to, to flat area. Uh, but, I mean, I, I feel like they're still waiting for Jalen Mills to get back in that secondary. I think once once Sidney Jones has been a disappointment, but, I mean, he, he had a big, real catastrophic injury. As far as the week that's passed, I think it's a blip on the radar with the, with the Vikings have circled that schedule for or that game on the schedule since it came out. It was uh, yeah. an opportunity for those fans to be fired up. And uh, I think both the Cowboys and the Eagles were kind of looking forward to that matchup next Sunday night. Well, and I agree that I do think this was a big game for the Vikings, especially keeping up in their arms race in that NFC North where every team is 500 or better. I don't know that I'd go as far as to say that's a blip on the radar because – I watched the Falcons game and the Lions game and even the Packers game that they won, and offense and pass rush wasn't an issue. (laughs) It was in the secondary. So that's something that I think does need to be fixed. Um, I don't know what's the the other. Under the corner, you you drop a couple balls. That's true. You're you're either 0-whatever or you're 5-0. That's just how it is in the NFL. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Really disappointed in how the offense has actually performed, and because I know they're capable of so much more. And Carson, I still think, has been playing not his best football. Receivers have been letting him down. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, it, it is tough, though, in a game like this when you're just getting completely gashed. You kind of have to abandon the run and just throw as much as possible. Um, that NFC East is now looking is now not looking as promising as it once did. The Redskins are terrible. The Giants are in rebuild mode. And both the Cowboys or Eagles are three and three heading into that big game coming up. But I ask you, Eagles going forward, Ramsey's not on the market anymore. Is there still going to be a move for a corner, someone in the secondary? It depends on the guy and what what the cost is. Uh, I know how he likes to make those moves. I'm not sure if he's confident with the guys he still has in that backfield with Jalen Mills just came up. He's eligible to practice now, so he can be called up at any moment when he's ready. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he might be, you know, the Eagles' best corner, but it might be just because we haven't seen him yet. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> Russell, pretty good. Russell Douglas has got, you know, got beat pretty badly uh, last last week by uh, a suddenly less complaining Stephon Diggs. Uh, we got, Kirk Cousins also is one of those guys that always kills the Eagles, so that was kind of an expected thing where that offense is going to explode. And, and I, I I kind of felt that the, the Vikings were going to take care of business there. As far as the market, I'm not sure who else is left. I don't think uh, – I don't know if Patrick Peterson would be on the market. We've seen mm. their, their veterans. They like to kind of stay in that – you know, as far as Larry Fitzgerald is concerned, is the only right. veteran that I can really think of that would be in a similar predicament but would, would rather stay where he's at. I mean, I just don't know what the market is for cornerbacks right now, and, and cornerbacks are really just as good as their last game. So, you know, Ronald Darby showed that we could bring in, and going back to even like Namdi Asamoah, you can bring in any big-name corner you want. It's a matter of how they fit in the scheme and, and mm-hmm. how, how the pass rush and the, the secondary kind of come together as one. 
Yeah, you're giving Eagles fans PTSD bringing yeah. up Nandi Astema, uh, I would say. But, no, I mean, are you still feeling good about this Eagles team to to win the division? I mean, Dallas has definitely looked mortal, too. Um, you know, this game, maybe if it is a blip in the radar, still the Eagles 3-3 three and three have some big football games coming up. You still feeling good about their chances? I still feel good because it was 24-3 against the Vikings, and they battled back to make it a uh, one-possession game in the fourth quarter. I think it's in the NFL, it tends to come down to that one possession in the fourth quarter. I think Doug making that uh, that, that weird fake field goal at the end of the half was, was strange, and I think they would have been in a better position had they just taken the points on the road. Uh, I think this game is humongous. I think both of the games with Dallas are going to decide the division. Uh, Dallas has a tougher schedule uh, on the back end than the Eagles do. Uh, the Eagles have both Giants games, the Redskins games, the Dolphins, all on the back end. So, obviously, it's more of getting through uh, up until probably the Bills game, maybe week, uh, week eight or so, until we kind of figure out what the uh, division landscape is. And it's going to come down to the one and two, the two, two games with the, with the Cowboys. It certainly looks like that's going to be the case. Dallas, on the other hand, Tom loses twenty-four uh, to twenty-two to the Jets in a very ugly game where they may have been looking ahead. Uh, before we break down Dallas, I just want to give props to a guy I'm still I still have in stock in. I still own some uh, some investments in that Sam Darnold. Great great bounce back game from him coming back from mono, and it really does show you exactly what a quarterback means in the NFL. Because they look flat out incompetent without him, and they look like somewhat of a solid football team with their signal caller back. Yeah, that, I mean the defense also kind of did their job too. The defense uh, gave, gave the Eagles offensive fits uh, the previous week, and, and you bring a competent quarterback back and, and a solid defense, and you can win a couple games in the NFL. I, I agree with you, man. I, I mean, I I came back from Mono my senior year of high school, and that's it's tough. Uh, but I mean, not the. <laughs> just the spleen, yeah. uh, getting that ultrasound to make sure that spleen's taken care of. Uh, he, yeah. Tough, uh, but it was more of getting in shape and uh, and being able to read the defense. On the other end of that coin, it's probably difficult for the Cowboys to figure out what quarterback they're preparing for uh, for that week. And, and with limited tape this year as to what this Jets team is with Darnold and the and Le'Veon, uh, they kind of, that, that was their first game where they could really show what the 2019 Jets were in, in the offseason envisioned, what, you know, what the general manager kind of envisioned with that right. product. Yeah, and props yeah. to uh, the long completion to your boy from Temple, Robbie Anderson. Robbie. Turning the burners on and scoring on that 90-plus yard completion for a touchdown was big. Uh, Dallas, this is three straight losses, and the reason why it seems like a full five-alarm fire is because the first three games we kind of realized that Tom they didn't really play anyone tough. These the schedule gets a little tougher in the fourth and fifth game, fourth and fifth games. They lose. This is supposed to be a bounce back game in preparation for the Eagles. They lose to that one. I'm not going to go full overboard and blame Dak for for the loss, but there's clearly clearly something wrong with their offense. You can talk about Cooper being out with an injury, but this team's just not moving the ball, at least early in games like they did. The first half of the last couple weeks have just been putrid for Dallas. I think you touched on it. If they don't have that threat uh, on the outside, you saw it before they traded for Amari Cooper that that offense was struggling. 
uh, everybody can can load up on on the uh, running game and, and make Dak beat you. That's that's kind of the mo for our, for how to beat the Cowboys. Uh, those linebackers always fly around on the bat, on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, and they're a tough squad. But I mean, if that the offense is is will go as far as Zeke takes them. And if Cooper's not there, like we saw with Dez, like that offense goes, it has to be a balanced attack in order to be successful. Yeah, I also don't think they can they can't really afford to fall behind early by double digits. They're not built for coming back. You know, with the passing game and big plays, that's just not who the Cowboys are. It seems like when they mount these comebacks, they just run out of time. And I think part of that's the construction there. Uh, not looking good in Dallas. I don't know if you saw the video. It probably made you laugh of Jason Garrett. No one wanted to high-five him on the sideline. It's tough times in Big D for sure. I didn't see that. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be a obviously a two-horse race, as we mentioned. But um, the Cowboys, I mean, Cowboys-Eagles next week, whoever wins that game, it's going to uh, right their wrong so early in the season, and the loser is going to be under 500. So we'll have to touch on there. We're going to move on here in the Money Mitch effect to the Monday night game between Green Bay and Detroit. Tom, neither of us, talking to Tom Weisenbach here, neither of us care, I think, either way who would, who would have won that game. We don't really root for either the, the Packers or the Lions, don't really have a dislike for either also. I hate being blamed the ref guy, but that was ridiculous what happened I'll to do the it Lions. For you. <laughs> that was. A, I'm going to blame the ref guy, and it was ridiculous, but it, I mean. It was absurd. Like, can you remember. Blakeman, I think Cleet Blakeman was the guy that, that on the crew that didn't call a clear recovery for a fumble with the Cowboys Eagles game last right. year, just to stay on that topic. I love it. That We're naming is, names. <laughs> oh, Cleet Blakeman's crew is dreadful, and, and there's countless referees that are relying on. The replay, but it's it's on the NFL and the rules committee that continued to hinder their ability to do their jobs effectively by continuing to change the rules and what they enforce and what they should be emphasizing. And no one crew or no league can enforce all the rules they're trying to change and enforce. Uh, and granted, it's for, it, the whole bottom line is for player safety, but I, I think a lot of the times you, you can't make those calls. It, but... I mean, I think you blame it on Bakhtiari having a big head and a small helmet. <laughs> he sold that last one, too. Um, you know, I, I get that there's going to be missed calls, and I get that, you know, the Lions had chances. Um, you know, they had 12 on the field that cost them, that turned three points into a touchdown. But then immediately after, they don't, they don't call the Packers for 13 on the field. You just can't have games decided repeatedly like what we're having. That was the most egregious one. Green Bay, I mean, think about this for the ramifications of how short the NFL season is, Tom. We see in the NBA, even the NHL, sometimes bad plays and bad refereeing cost you games. There's only 16 in the NFL. So the Lions lose this one, drop to 2-2-1. Two, two and one. The Packers are 5-1. and one. That's a huge, game on the road. huge swing right there. I mean, that could be the difference between the Lions making the playoffs and on the flip side, maybe the Packers get a bye as a result of winning this game. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, biased. I still love seeing that one blemish on the on the Packers side be uh, be to my bird. <laughs> it's not going to be good if you guys go on a hot streak and you're one back in the loss column. I mean, you might you're be right, like, though. man, I wish we could have you know have the tiebreaker. But Green Bay well, did. Green Bay did. Yeah, yeah, you got to get tied to there. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, Green Bay, their offense is looking what is looking rounded. They were kind of. They kind of had some scotch tape going on. No Devontae Adams. Geronimo Allison gets hurt. 
um, they found a way to get it done. I think the story of Green Bay this year has just been their revamped defense. I wouldn't say it's you know top five, but it's top ten. And when you have an offense led by Aaron Rodgers, if you can get him a defense and a running game, I mean, I think they got a chance to be as good as anyone in the NFC. Yeah, and as the year goes on, you're going to see Aaron get a lot more comfortable in that uh, in that offense, and and hopefully Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams continue to be the running game that he would need balance wise. I think he he got into trouble freelancing a little bit under Mike McCarthy, and, and that's how he got injured. Is just continuing to, to do the, the same thing over and over again with uh, you know using his athletic ability out of the pocket to to be successful, and that was the formula for the Packers' offensive success. Now, the emphasis is a little bit off. The pressure's a little bit more off of Aaron Rodgers, and, and the, the running game can take shape so that when Aaron has to take his shots and he can put the – you saw on, on Monday night that he can put the ball on anybody, on anybody's shoulder, no matter how far, how you know long he they got to go, how no-name the receivers are. And uh, – and and as the year goes on, he may get a little bit more aggressive in the most important spots, as we kind of saw at the tail end of that Monday night game. Well, I agree with all that. I'm going to ask you this question as a follow-up, Tom. I'll kind of let you drive the boat here. Who do you think the best team right now in the NFC is? I love that we're having to think about it, because I kind of have to think about it, too. Well, it's tough because of all the uh, quarterback injuries. I think the NFC North is stacked. Mm-hmm. So that would be the best division in football is like where I go. Completely agree, yeah. And but the best team, I mean, on any given Sunday, it could be the Cowboys, it could be the Packers, it could be the Lions, for God's sakes. But um, I mean, the Niners right now, I guess, are, the, are make their best case right now for being the best team in the NFC. Yeah, as an undefeated I was, team, I was skeptical of them going into uh, in the Cleveland game, mm-hmm. and I was skeptical again last week. But they just keep proving me wrong with that defense and the game management style of offense yeah it hasn't been the hardest schedule and even after the browns win because of what the browns have been through i think people still were somewhat skeptical but they beat the reigning nfc champions and they beat them bad i mean i know that game was at home and i know that you know the rams had their chances early to kind of pull ahead but the niners win going away in that one they remain the only other undefeated team besides the new england patriots and where i'll where I'll agree with you that they're tough to, to be matched is on that defensive side of the ball. That interior is big, it's nasty, and it's deep. I mean, it's depth. You, you remember that Eagles championship run, obviously. They got depth, rotational guys. They got Solomon Thomas not even starting for them. I mean, they're able to throw Bosa, Armstead, Buckner in there. I think when they can throw that many bodies and just own the line of scrimmage like they completely own the Rams inside, yeah, they, they can on any given day beat anyone. Yeah, I mean they're they're just so fast up front. There's not much any quarterback can do if they're in a position where where the Kyle Shanahan's offense gets a, gets the lead and, and they can sit on it pretty good when they can uh, make a team one dimensional. Yeah, and, and it isn't even it hasn't even really been Garoppolo has been all right. I mean he's made some mistakes, but Shanahan is just in my opinion a tremendous coach. He does a great job making the game simple for his quarterback. Which hey, just a side note, I'd like to see that for my team, <laughs> but. Uh, has, hasn't happened. They mix in the running games, and George Kittle is the best tight end in football in large part because Kyle Shanahan is able to scheme to get him open every single week when you know that he's the primary target. So, yeah, definitely a lot to like about this team. Is that your, uh, would that be your team too that's uh, the best team in the NFC if you had to? Uh... <laughs> um, 
I'm going to you know, I actually think it's the Saints. That that's who I'm going to go with because they're doing this this last couple weeks without Breeze. You know, they're doing it with defense and I think if you get Breeze in there, I think they're going I think they're the best all-around team. And you know, it, they lost that game to the Rams. It is so hard when your starting quarterback goes out to even have a plan B that I think they kind of re- regrouped and said, all right, it's not going to be the same Saints, but Sean Payton has them well accomplished, has them well ready to go, well prepared. They were able to rely on their defense, which is continually getting better. So I'd give the Saints a slight nod, but Niners are pretty close. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, as long as Teddy can keep it up, uh, you know, going back to that Rams game, if the, you don't know what type of game that becomes, going back to the refs even, uh, as far as uh, <laughs> if they let that uh, that touchdown go, and, and that game is totally different just as, just for that one right. season. Super Bowl's much and, better, uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> if but we keep going right. back. I mean, yeah. I, you just don't know what the long-term health of Drew is, what the long-term uh, Teddy Bridgewater situation is. I know I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan myself, and, and, I, and the, the Saints definitely did cross my mind as far as uh, one of the best teams in the NFC. But the Niners have so, totally surprised me, and until, until they lose, you know, mm-hmm. ground in – and whatever, yeah, I don't know, man. The Se- the Seahawks look good too. They they just keep doing what they what they do. But right now, I I'm starting to believe in the 49ers. Well, it's <laughs> fair. Two week hate. <laughs> well, it's fair because they haven't lost. Um, on the flip side of that, a team it's definitely not is the Rams. Should we be full on concerned here? I mean, they're 500 now, lost three straight games. Should we be just flipping out about this team? Super Bowl hangover. I mean, I think a lot of the times uh, what, what some, some of these defenses are doing is, is they're showing like a muddle uh, defense, a fake defense, until McVay is no longer in the helmet of, of Goff, and then they show their actual defense, and Goff can't read it. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of what the Rams uh, do, I, but I'm pretty sure that was the formula in the Super Bowl, and, and a lot of teams have adapted that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, and Goff is somebody that I don't think deserves – full blame but I also don't think he deserved as much credit as he got when uh, he was you know the offense was rolling a lot to compact I would be really worried here Um, I know we mentioned the Ramsey trade and you know they're going for it they've spent all their first round picks the last you know from 2016 to 2021 they won't draft in the first round Ramsey I think is the best corner in the game they shift Peters out to the Ravens to make room for him but Tom Ramsey doesn't block and he's not going to make big third down throws, so I don't think he addresses their two biggest weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, how, how's that running game been doing? Because I don't know. If, you know, if, that's if the other Gurley. thing. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right because Gurley isn't really the same player. I mean, I don't know if he ever will be or if he's still got his nagging injury, but that made things so much easier for Goff and made defenses have to respect the run more. Now they are just daring him to throw. They're getting that push on a line that's getting pushed back more than it did last year. And, yeah, I mean, it has been the last couple weeks. I know he played pretty solid against the Seahawks, still has has some throws given up, didn't really do much against the Browns. But the Bucks game, I mean, and then especially this one, golf has not looked right. He holds on to the ball a little too long and, and doesn't really trust the reads. And I think part of it is his lack of confidence right now. It's also tough to play at home, and it seems like a road game every other time you're playing at home. With the Tampa game, it seemed like everybody, you know, every time somebody new comes into that stadium, 
uh, all their entire fan base shows up for the game. I mean, coming from experience, there I went to the two Eagles games in the past two years that the Eagles uh, won there, and it was you know almost a neutral site based on the fan yeah. um, attendance. So that that's got to wear on a team week in and week out when you're basically playing twelve road games if you if you want to be nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think there's time, but they lost two in the division now, and that's going to be big. And, and with the Seahawks and Niners elevating, they're not even a lock to make the playoffs. So it's not it's not a great time for the Rams. Um, you know, you mentioned it being a neutral site. It could be worse. You could be playing in that stadium in Carson because that Steelers yeah. game on Sunday night was ridiculous. Yeah, Duck got the job done, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. Love a good nickname, but I hate the Steelers, so that did make me a little sad. Um, but the Chargers are, are going nowhere fast, it seems, uh, and they don't really have any fan support. All right, Tom, moving, switching gears now on the Money Mitch effect. Got to talk about that Brown-Seahawks game. Uh, I'm at a loss with uh, Freddie Kitchens at the moment, so I'm going to ask you before I kind of delve into here, what do you think <laughs> What do you think's the biggest problem playing in this 2-4 and four now, soon to be? Two and five after the bye week and the loss of the Patriots, Cleveland Browns team. You have little faith. They don't have. They have a chance against the Patriots. You know they will be playing them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <All right>. Okay. <laughs> I'll be nice. Yeah. Um, Appreciate it. I don't. I, it's it's another kind of collection of of me first players that are all on social media more than they are in their playbook. I mean, I I'm or making like you mean like that. you mean like Hulu commercials like those guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I honestly think the best part of Baker Mayfield's game is those uh, commercials. <laughs> You're not wrong. 25 interceptions in 20 career games for Baker Mayfield. So we can start there. Um, me first is one thing. I don't know, you know, by all accounts, he's a good teammate and players like playing with him. But I'm more referring to, to the wide receivers. In oh, this yeah. Jarvis and the Odell are probably in a corner doing their own thing, playing mm. rock, paper, scissors while while uh, you know Baker has to kind of yield to them because he's still the younger guy, even though he's trying to be a leader. And then Nick Chubb is just the professional that comes in, and he's like, all right, I'll run the ball if I have it. And then uh, that defense is supposed to be on fire, but Miles Garrett can't do it all. And then the play calling is inconsistent, or at least – still not where it was last year, right, when Freddie Kitchens was with no. the coach and, and had a little less responsibility. Nick Chubb averaged six yards carry, 122 yards on 20 carries, yet we can't give him the ball consistently. Don't really understand what's going on there. The Niners game, it was until they were down 14 nothing to really set up the run. In this game, you could not have scripted a better start from the kick return that got things going. A couple of early touchdowns, Baker's playing solid. And then Kitchens and uh, assistant coach Ted Munkin, who have this weird relationship where both is a worse coach with each other. Uh, they just decide to get really aggressive at the end of the half, start throwing the ball downfield again, and interceptions galore. Seahawks got back into the game. Uh, offensively is where the frustration lies because you just seem like Kitchens is getting too cute with some of the play calling. Inconsistent, as you said. Baker's got to be better. He's throwing too many interceptions. I mean, some are hitting receivers on the hands, and you'd like to see them pull those in, but too many bad, inconsistent throws from this quarterback who goes out and blames the refs after he loses and after he throws three picks. Didn't really like that. Uh, defensively, you got to give props to Russell Wilson. I think he's the MVP at this point in the season. Honestly, full full thought there. 
but I also think that defensively, their big struggles are they just can't get their star players on the field. It's injuries left and right. Both corners are out. I know you can relate to that. Ward seems like he can't be, be on the field at ever, and Greedy Williams is this you know, talented rookie that's been out a few games too. So they're struggling on defense because they're banged up offensively, though. You know, when they have leads, when they get the opportunity, yeah. you know, they're just too inconsistent. And, you know, Kitchens has got to be better. We're still unprepared. We still take stupid penalties. We still look disorganized and uh, have some infighting. So, yeah, not good in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, and I think if you, I think it's an offensive identity crisis because I, I feel like they feel like they should be one of those teams that can throw the ball around the, on the, around the field. But Baker Mayfield is not Drew Brees yet. You know what I mean? Where he, you would expect there to be a little bit more production and, and a little bit less, but less interceptions. But you can't be trusting Baker Mayfield to not throw interceptions. He's still a young quarterback in this league, and people are going to, you know, figure out that they can cover that quick slant to Odell, and it doesn't really, you know, they're they're, well, you but know. they're not catching the ball either, which is a lack of focus. Well, they're not even calling the quick slant, and I think my biggest problem with the play calling is twelve steps, twelve step drops with a bad offensive line. I mean, yeah. I just I don't agree with that at all. Uh, we'll they see. Could probably win all day with a with a five yard out and a five yard in, and then seriously, both of those guys crossing routes, man beaters, and, and then really get the job done. Well, it's going to be interesting. Too much risk. It, it's going to be interesting if they lose two and five. The schedule does get significantly easier what it's going to take to win this division. Still not sold on Baltimore, who the Browns beat pretty handily at Baltimore. So this division is taking shape, much like the NFC East, where teams just aren't really stepping up early in the season. Uh, On a side note uh, from this game, Tom, just looking at the bigger picture of the AFC, are we at a point now where we got to consider the Texans maybe the second-best team in this side of football? The tech, anybody in the AFC South is annoying to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like a, somebody please step up because the Chiefs just got beat by AFC South teams twice back-to-back weeks at home. And the Texans are, you know, they're just frustrating because we want to say yes, we really do. When they play like this, you're like, this is great. But you know they're just going to lose to, you know, the Titans at some point or something stupid like that. Yeah, I still say Baltimore, I mean, the mm. Cleveland Baltimore thing was a different game and and I still I still think Baltimore has the edge on any team from the AFC South and and maybe on par with Houston if we want to say that. Deshaun's uh, balling though. You got to give him credit cuz he's playing Deshaun has more of a track record for sure know. than than Lamar and and until I guess I guess that would be the reason that would be your reasoning to give give the edge to Houston as they have a lot more experience and cohesion with that unit. Will Fuller, you know, DeAndre Hopkins the whole nine yards, so J.J.'s healthy. No, Yeah, I, I think their defense is, is pretty solid, and their offense is giving them a lot being the Deshaun Watson show. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, they lose two games at home, and I think part of it is their defense just isn't constructed with talent to really stop a lot of these teams, so they're going to have to outscore. But, oh, by the way, the refs completely screwed them out of a touchdown that could have changed the trajectory of the game when Travis Kelsey got tackled in the middle of the field. Uh, had to had to throw that in there as well. But Chiefs are a, an interesting team because I feel like we might have just anointed them a little early. Still could see them making the run all the way to even possibly the title, but they're not a perfect football team either. They're almost just a college team with a bunch of professionals on it. <laughs> Some <laughs> like professionals. The way they run their offense and, and the way things – yeah, it's like they're the anomaly in the league that, that – 
that they like I, the, the some of the parts really shouldn't make all that stuff up. But I mean, Tyreek Hill came back and he performed pretty well for for them, and, and Mahomes continues to be Mahomes and put up these numbers. But if they're going to get in a shootout with the Patriots in the AFC title game, it could go any way. You know, it's Andy Reid in the big game. That's really what it comes down to in my mind. <laughs> yeah, and we all know what usually happens there. Um, yeah, if you're going to say who's a college team, I'm saying the Cardinals because <laughs> there's a lot going on. I I actually watched Cardinals Falcons <laughs> for the first time. I actually sat down and watched a lot of a Cardinals game, and there's just a lot happening, a lot of excitement, a lot of just kind of dumb plays as well, a lot of blown coverages on defense. You know, they beat the Falcons, and they should have just Atlanta should have just moved on from their head coach. I think after that game, but. Maybe the way they ended wasn't the way they wanted to fire their coach for, but the Cardinals are a team I think with a lot of excitement that just you know is gonna is gonna be the spoiler down the road. Yeah, that's fair. Once Kyler gets a little bit more experience, that offensive line's still kind of uh, a mess. And uh, but yeah, you're right. They'll improve and they'll probably spoil a little bit, especially in that division where I'm sure the Rams will be competing for a wild card spot, and then the other two teams division we mentioned already that are 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 kind of cooking with gas right now at five and zero and five and one um yeah i i haven't watched a ton of the cardinals i only watched a little bit of the uh week one tie mm-hmm. and, and how they they showed a little bit of magic late in that game and uh and it's really impressive i, I mean what kyler murray can do it's all those smaller quarterbacks are starting you know it's it's easy to root for them the bakers the the kylers and i mean they're both the Oklahoma guy, whatever. But if if that guy can work in the NFL, and we 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 want it to work because Russell Wilson's so enigmatic and exciting to watch, yeah. and it's just it's kind of at least showing the Amer the the NFL fan what how hard it is to do what he's doing when you mm-hmm. see these two guys kind of struggling in 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 the early going of their career. It sure is, and I just want to point out that the Falcons' next three games are Rams, Seahawks, Saints in New Orleans, so we can be looking at the 1-8 and eight Atlanta Falcons, just a completely broken team. With that one win being <laughs> on short on a fourth down. I know, well, we had to bring it up. I, I would, man, I would love it if, you know, it's 1-8 and eight Falcons and 8-1 and one Packers. So then you're like happy and sad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right. The transitive property of the NFL. If that's it's like, perfect. The, that would be perfect. The college football playoff there. That would be perfect if you can say we beat the, this team and lost to that team and we're the only ones that had the outcome. That'd be perfect. Uh, the last thing I had on week six, Tom, was uh, this was finally when we, I think, officially said goodbye to the uh, 2014, I think 2013 no, no, 2015 draft class. 2015 draft class of quarterbacks. Both, I think, jumped the shark in week six. <laughs> As he frantically Googles the... Uh, no, I mean, it was just Jameis and Mariota. That's all I was going to say. Oh, yeah. You know. Fair um, I mean, Jameis hasn't gotten benched, but that game in London, and I don't say this lightly because I've seen a lot of Browns quarterbacks in the last 20 years, might have been the worst I've ever seen someone play the position in the NFL. I mean, he just has no regard for what defense is being played. He's just throwing it to where he wants. Um, Receivers are quitting on him, which I think just speaks to a lot of the the bad bad attitude that happens there in Tampa. It was ridiculous. And then Mariota and that entire Titans team as a whole, 
I don't think they got into the red zone until Tannehill was in with two minutes left in the game. So uh, I think, you know, Tannehill starting, it's official next week. Jameis, I don't know how much longer he's got left. Uh, yeah, the, the one well, QB draft class. Bruce Arians, they keep saying Bruce Arians is going to break through there and, and figure out what he has with Jameis. I think Mike Evans, is, is this is the second quarterback where he's kind of made his career through Mike Evans. I mean, he's lucky to have that guy to just throw it up to and make those catches. Uh, you know, we, we saw what Johnny Manziel, you know, made him a lot of money early on in his career, at least when he came out of the draft. Um, and a lot of those numbers are, are thanks to Mike Evans, I, I got to say, because, like, that's the guy that, that Jameis just kind of closed his eyes and, and threw it down the middle of the field, and, and that's where a lot of those yards come from. Yeah, I, I just I, I think you have to be smarter if you're going to win consistently as an NFL quarterback. You have to be able to manage the football, uh, which is funny because Mariota actually somewhat does a good job of that, but he's too tentative in the pocket and gets sacked a bunch. It's like they're both polar opposites and of how you basically lose the quarterback position in the NFL. Um, but yeah, Jameis, I just he turns the ball over too much. He's got the highest turnover rate by far of any quarterback since he came into the league. So uh, well, neither what? yeah. What draft process do you think is more overrated? More overrates their players coming out. Would it be that first fifteen lottery picks in the NBA, or the first few quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft? You know, that's a good question, and I feel like the NBA. I would almost say the NBA just for this reason. There's always teams that want just the want I, the way I put it is a piece of the action. So every year in the NBA, we get we get sold as fans a, a fake bill of goods that's like, oh, there's this many blue chip prospects. When really, every draft class is the same. There's usually about half of half of what we're told are the legit ones. So I feel like you know, there's, I think that's I think that's my issue there. I think quarterbacks more of an exact science to the point where you can pretty much tell if physically they have it, but it is very hard to know if a guy like Jameis Winston is going to get it. And even and he now would even put Johnny Manziel in there. Manziel wasn't practicing. He wasn't putting the time in. I mean, are they going to be able to read defenses and in the moment have that cool under pressure? I think physically you can tell, Do we, do we does he have the gifts to succeed at the NFL? And I think scouts are pretty honest about that. Whereas in the NBA, I mean, every year there's somebody drafted in the first three, four picks that's pretty terrible by five years into the league. I think that's you can look at all the drafts in the last like five, six years. But or not a star, but serviceable. My, what comes to mind is like an Evan Turner versus a Mitchell Trubisky. Like you get your like second overall pick, you trade up to get Trubisky. He's going to be yeah. an average quarterback. Evan Turner turned out to be an average NBA player, but you expect the next Michael Jordan every time you go one or two overall. I was thinking of like Hashim Tabit or somebody like that, but uh, quarterback is, I think, a separate separate uh species almost because the average is okay at that position like it's not great but you'll take average over terrible and if you build around it i mean i think jared goff's pretty average is he ever going to get to that next level i don't know trubisky is the same way but if you you know if you take an average edge rusher in the second round as a draft this is as a gm you'll get fired i mean it's just like you just wasted a second oh, yeah. overall pick so um, well, that was like a Brandon Graham versus Earl Thomas argument. Yeah. All those years, and I mean, it, it ended up being a slow investment, but it, <laughs> it, you know, he did make the play in that Super Bowl. He and, did. You know, but I think you take one of the better players on the line with the longevity. Yeah. 
I think you could replace a guy like that and find someone comparable. Uh, you might not be able to do that with Earl Thomas, but I see what you're saying. Um, last thing, and then we'll do some, some quick thoughts on week seven. Who's starting for the Panthers after their bye week at quarterback? Kyle Allen, baby. Okay. So it, it, you're pretty confident in this. They're not going to go back to Cam, even if he's healthy. I mean, how healthy could Cam be? I think they're obligated to start Cam. I, I don't know. I mean, I think if Cam says he's healthy, I wouldn't believe him. Hmm. I think, you know, he's just so. Interesting, yeah. It's taken its toll on him, and, and and if he's not healthy, then he can't be the guy that is effective in the NFL. So if they're still winning with with Kyle Allen, they might as well keep going with him. But it also depends. They're going to do the same thing with Christian McCaffrey that they're doing with Cam Newton. That first, that first game back is at San Francisco, too, so he better be healthy if he's playing in that game. Just just throwing that out there. I wouldn't rush him back. I do think they owe, that he's owed a chance. I mean, Kyle Allen's been good, but I wouldn't say he set the world on fire. He's been, he's been, he's been solid. He's done enough to win. What Cam's done, I think Cam's going to get a shot at the job, but, yeah, I don't know if he's fully healthy. Maybe you do slow play it and let him heal up. Uh, all right, Tom, week seven. Before I let you go, Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect. It's been a good NFL talk. What games are you looking forward to the most? What's caught your eye? Well, Eagles-Cowboys we touched on pretty extensively. That's that's probably the game of the week for me. Uh, and I thought ravens yeah. good too. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. We'll see that. Saints-Bears could be a good one too. Those are the afternoon slates. I'm pretty much going from the later ones to the early ones. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, Rookie of the Year battle in New York between Kyler Murray and your boy Danny Dimes. Yeah, my boy Danny Dimes. I did off the record, off the Money Mitch effect last time I was on, mentioned to you that, that, that the Giants are probably going to go to him sooner rather than later. I actually, I think, said he will be the starter by the end of the year. You were so right. I gave myself a, you've been on it, but, you, but you've been on him I, before anybody I've known. <laughs> well, he put the Duke played Temple in the bowl game, and Temple had a big lead. And Danny Dimes came back in the fourth quarter and dropped some dimes, and they won that game. And so once he got drafted, and I kept hearing how good people liked him in that organization, I kind of started reading the tea leaves on that one. And uh, but I don't think he's going to be the next coming of Montana. I just still think <laughs> he could be a rookie of the year candidate if they get eight, you know, six ten. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's a fair uh, you know reservation to have. Uh, that should be just uh, a fun the one. Packers, Packers Raiders could be interesting too, depending on which Raiders team shows up. I are, don't know how to identify I, the Raiders. You know they're what they're what three and two right now. They're a three and two football team. If they you know if they go eight and eight, nine and seven, we got to consider Gruden G, coach of the year and maybe Mayock executive of the year because no one really saw this coming. Um, just just great performances there. I, I do agree with that one. Even the Thursday night game, Chiefs and Broncos. Chiefs need to bounce back after two losses. I kind of think Denver's better than a, what the record two and four looks like. I mean, they could be four and two right now if a couple of calls and a couple of plays go their way. Yeah, and in Denver, that's always a tough place to play. Big rivalry game in the division. That's 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 always something to consider too. Uh, and then with that respect, the Lions and the Vikings are playing again, and I know both teams are going to be uh, raring to go for that one. Yeah, my my game of the week, other than Eagles-Cowboys, which is a clear, clear choice for the top spot, um, but maybe a better better game, if we'll see, is the Colts hosting the Texans. Because I want to see who the alpha dog is in that AFC South. The Colts had their bye week, beat the Chiefs beforehand. 
that you know that Raiders game you know was just kind of an, an awkward performance but I think they were looking ahead I think this one could be good this was almost a tie a year ago uh, no Browns game this week so I'll, I'll be saved some misery there but uh, yeah I think it's a pretty good slate of games as we just try to figure out you know who will emerge and who will continue to get better as the season goes on yeah, definitely. As as I'm kind of thumbing through these games, it's a lot of divisional matchups, and then the other ones that aren't divisional matchups are are pretty uh, pretty tight tight matches. Well, Tom, this was a blast. Appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect and talking football. Uh, I know you'll be getting up for the Eagles Cowboys game. You predicting a pretty solid victory? I don't. I'm not going to ask you to go Doug Peterson on us and guarantee anything, but I know you're feeling pretty good about this one. Doug Peterson coaches like he plays Madden. He's playing Madden out there, man. It's going to be frustrating. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think the Eagles can win this game. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily am going to say they will. I think they're capable of it. I think if Deshaun Jackson comes back, that gives them the vertical threat that the offense has kind of been missing. Uh, Matt Collins is, is not Deshaun Jackson, nor is Nelson Aguilar. So hopefully everybody can come back and, and the defense can kind of uh, regroup and, uh, and get the job done. Uh, it's going to be a good one for sure. It's always frustrating when when the Eagles and the Cowboys come together with nerves and anticipation and and uh, you know screaming at the television. So I'll have to I'll have to find a safe space to watch this one. <laughs> Are they your number one most hated team in sports, pro or college? Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it. Who are you we thinking about? We don't, we don't like the Mets. Okay. That's there. The the Penguins we hate. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Sixers and Celtics don't get along either. I don't really like them, okay. but it's more of like, uh, I'm tired of getting beat by them. So if that's the case, then it's, and the, yeah, it's Cowboys, Penguins, Matt. That's a good top three. That's pretty yeah, good. Well, I mean, Celtics too. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, those are solid choices. Those, those I figured, I figured it'd be the Cowboys on there while, um, Tom, we appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect, talking some football. We'll see if your uh, your analysis rings true, but I uh, have to do this again for sure. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks again. All right, huge thanks to Tom Weisenbach. Appreciate him coming on and, and making the phone call late at night on the East Coast, and we'll see what happens in the World Series as well. Nats are in, Astros and Yankees may be settling into a long series, a lot to break down there. Thanks everybody out there for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. It's a busy time in the sports world with all four teams, all four major leagues I should say, playing. NBA is ready to pick back up, so they're pretty much playing preseason. There's the regular season coming up very soon, so that's going on. Hockey is in full swing. The Oilers started out hot, the Stars struggling. Uh, along with some other teams. So we'll see what happens in that sport. And uh, college football as well. Some big games coming up. Michigan and Penn State. Oregon, Washington. A lot of a lot of interesting showdowns coming up this weekend. And Arizona State getting 13.5 points is my favorite one to kind of monitor if you're into the gambling sort of thing as they take on Utah this week. You can catch every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. Follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well. Thank you for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels, and keep enjoying sports.